Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. Welcome to Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 And good morning to Saturdays in Tasmania. What a fantastic morning to have your company here in Hobart. A little bit overcast, but it really looks a pleasant day in the making. We're down at Wentworth Park today on a fantastic OB. Great to have your company. David Lithgow flee in the chair for Holly Fowler, who's currently, I think, somewhere in Los Angeles, I believe, and... Brett, uh, geez, my old mate, I've lobbed inside of him. He's rugged up in his in his woolies and his beanie. Um, how you feeling, mate? Yeah, it's good to be here. The uh, it's a huge soccer tournament here today. Yes. The juniors will be running around all over the place. So that's yes. that's always exciting. Junior sport, grassroots uh, getting a plug. Of course, you're you've smiled all morning. The Swans are mm. they were exciting last night. And we've got Bailey Kenzie here from Win News. He'll, he'll give us a sports update shortly. Good morning to you, Bales. Good morning, Brett. Great to great to be here. Terrific to have your company, Bailey. Lots to talk about on local sport, but we'll certainly start with what we saw last night. Um, Melbourne uh, very much going in as favourites. Last year's premiers against the young upstarts in the Sydney Swans, and what a call it was last night from Jared and Hutto. And we've got a little bit of foot, a little bit of listenership from that from last night. We'll go to Hutto now. A last gasp goal, perhaps. It won't mean anything. No, it came loose. Sydney have control of the footy. The siren about to sound at the MCG. And the winner is Sydney. Melbourne's back-to-back campaign is now backs to the wall. So the Swans, what about that last night? Incredible performance. Um, I think most people, Brett, um, probably thought that Sydney may be a year or so off and perhaps almost I was one of those as a, a cheerleading Swan supporter but um, that was a brutal performance last night wasn't it? Well just the, the tackling fuel, they, they were amazing. everywhere they set, they seemed to have a great strategy around the contested ball that whenever Melbourne got it they had no access for uh, for a handball so many smothers um, it was smothering and, 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 and tackling so how they set that up I couldn't quite work it out, it was a uh, a, a real struggle for Melbourne to get to get any flow. Uh, they'd win the contested ball and they just had no options. Um, so Sydney really really shut that down. Uh, and and look quite surprising. The the Swans have surprised me. I'll be honest with you, Dave. I was a bit like you. They're very young. You know, guys like um, Chad Warner, um, uh, the young Ford, Robottom, Markey. Um, they just yeah, Mark McDonald was the uh, the kid I was thinking of. Uh, they're all. Early, 20s, 20, um, 21. Um, it's very exciting to, to be a Swan supporter. Isaac Heaney's a star. 
Uh, you've been banging on about Callum Mills' leadership. He was excellent last night. Um, yeah, I, I kind of had it as Melbourne Geelong straight through to the prelims, and um, maybe we've got it wrong. 14 goals, 791. The Swans defeating Melbourne, 10 goals, 969. Um, pots and pans everywhere behind us here. We're just setting up here for what's going to be a tremendous day. The canteen, which will suit you, Brett, has just started it's to right there. up there. With no, the, I can smell the sabs are boiling. Sa- sabs That's are exciting. Coming, sabs will be coming at some stage. But 22 points was the ro- result in the end. And fascinating to see with the Swans um, every time last night that that Melbourne, um, they kick two or three goals and they... And, and Melbourne are such a burst team that can bang on six or seven, but on the couple of occasions they did it, they just had the ability of the Swans to nullify, defend first as they do, and then they got the ball going forward. Yeah, well, it surprised me a little. Franklin was a little quiet. Very quiet. Did that upset you? Well, it didn't because he won. Not really, but... but I mean, Franklin's had... Franklin just... Um, I think he gave away four or five free kicks. He's hardly touched footy, didn't impact the scoreboard. Heaney's kicked one goal, which was late. But in a funny way, they they just all did their little bit, didn't they? Like people said that Stephen May was amazing at 26, 27 possessions, what have you. Well, what is amazing? Is, is that sort of statistical game amazing when um, that physical contest between those two players creates all this carnage around for these little guys, Papley just running in late, and they just they fed off the, the contest, didn't they? Um, Actually, I saw a great tweet last night. Uh, A lady had tweeted, I was so thrilled for the Swans to have won the game until I saw Tom Papley in the (laughs) post-match. I've got to tell he's, you, mate. Uh, I love him. He's oh, uh, he's not a he's not a favourite of anyone other than Swan supporters. I think and Tom Papley. Every team's got one. Yep. Collingwood have got yep. um, a little Ginnivan. Yep. Uh, the Swans and Papley. He's um, he's he's abrasive, isn't he? He, he is. Um, I thought an absolutely iconic moment for a qualifying final win was very symbolic when Stephen May gave away those couple of free kicks. Uh, against Lance Franklin, they go forward and kick a goal, and Tom Papley did exactly what uh, I would love to do as a teammate. I know you deep down would too. He went and gave it to three or four Melbourne players right in their grill, and he upset the momentum, didn't he? He really, because let's go back to that stage. The, the Demons have got two or three goals in front. Looked like they were controlling things, and that was a big moment, was it, when May sort of gave away that free kick? It sort of did momentum changed and probably gave him a gobful, as we know. Well, Bales, I'm, I'm not sure if you watched the game, but certainly the momentum swings. I mean, the D's gave away how many 50 frees that resulted in goals? Two. Two? Yeah. So there, there's, there's two momentum shifts that just didn't need to happen. And Melbourne, it's been spoken about with Melbourne that, yes. that their discipline's a problem. They really struggle... Um, uh, James Harms, he, he completely nailed. Yes. Uh, who was that? Dylan Stevens, maybe, or I oh, know it was um, Lloyd. Yeah, uh, it was. which resulted in a goal at a really crucial time yes. as well in the game. Uh, Do you think he gets a week for that one? Good question, Barley. Good question. Um, the, I think the the beauty of that for him is going to be that very much Jake Lloyd got straight up, and that's the, that's what we know with these head high contests, don't we? That. Um, you know, if, if the whether we like it or not, whether the opposing player uh, doesn't get knocked out or reacts really well, 
then um, the weeks are less or none. He should be fine. He jumps straight back up. He jumps straight back up. If he knocks him out, he misses two. It was sort of more on the chest neck, wasn't it? It wasn't overly high at all. I mean, it was a little bit late, if anything. Sure. Yeah, it'd be hard to see him getting any more than a week. Yeah, it's, it was a fascinating game because you you sort of looked through the Swans' better players and Warner, Reed, uh, Franklin, all very much down. Chad Warner's only had 12 or 13 possessions for the game. Um, it really goes to, to, to show on the the evenness of their of their of the, their team. They just put in even performance. Luke Parker's the champion. Um, physically, they matched at Rowbottom was extraordinary around. Every time Petrarca was there, Robottom, his 21-year-old kid, um, playing his first final or second final. He, yeah, fascinating contest. So it really sets it up for them now. Of course, they're going to go into preliminary final week uh, with a home final, and they're going to get, I guess they could get a Collingwood, Geelong, a Freo, or a Dogs. Let's surmise on perhaps Geelong beat Collingwood, uh, Freo beat the Dogs, and they would get the winner of... Collingwood versus Freo, so they've probably got the right side of the draw now. And so for the D's, they'll they'll have to go through Geelong if they want to make the, the granny. So which is a uh, yeah, completely completely flicks a, a switch for the D's, who um, a really a really surprising um, victory last night for the Swans. But I think I think the big story is now about the D's. Um, they they're in they're in some strife. Uh, they've lost all all the momentum, and and we've seen throughout the year when they lose the momentum, they yes. lose they lose a bundle. It takes them a while to get it back. So um, they had that period um, throughout the year where they lost a couple of games on the bounce. Um, yes. You know, can they can they pick themselves up after the disaster of the fifty meter penalties? I'm sure Goodwin would have would have you know made them well aware of that. Um, so yeah, huge, huge challenge uh, now for the. I loved Hutto's call there. The, Brilliant. Uh, the uh, the backs to the wall. <laughs> he's just uh, he's a master with words. Like that, those guys are very special. It was great to have Hutto on the breakfast program yesterday morning. He's so passionate about. And with Jared and Hutto, you've got the best calling team in the business. Some audio that we heard from last night. We heard from both coaches. John Longmire was very, very, very happy with the team effort. And we've got a little bit of a snippet about him talking about exactly that from last night. Yeah, look, they've been in great form and they're playing, they've been playing such good footy, obviously, with a, um, a quality team. And we knew it would be a really tough one on the home deck. And but our lads just kept going and going and going. And, uh, you know, the, I think the 28 tackles in the last quarter, I think oh, their sorry. pressure was enormous. It just kept on getting greater the longer the game went. Our... our, our um, our pressure around the footy and, you know, just some big moments the boys stood up in and they did a really good job. So, you know, it was super win. He's very fortunate, John Longmire, um, to have such an even team performance. And we really did highlight some of the, the guys at the Swans, which are actually down a little bit, but somehow as a unit they get it done. He's an incredible coach, John Longmire. He's now been there for, this is his, what, 11 to 10, 13th season. Uh, he's won one, he's lost a couple. He's given give himself every opportunity. I think now we turn to Melbourne, um, Bailey. I, it's interesting because they are clearly uh, the best team of the last two years. But then you actually looked at their finals record. They're five and six against final eight sides um, this year. Um, how they respond... Oh, yeah, we get a false sense of security sometimes every week. The the losing team, don't we, in those qualifying finals? You know, they look done. They look where are they going to be? 
what was your thoughts on you know what what they can do and how they'll respond next week? Well, how they respond next week is going to be really interesting, particularly if they do have to, like you say, do it the hard way and, and come up against Geelong. It's going to be a cracking contest, I guess that one. Um, it just looked like the Swans had more run towards the end of the game. That that commitment we saw uh, in the fourth quarter, particularly, it was just a, it was a very special contest. And um, yeah, I just think the Swans were the, were the better side. They played four quarter footy, and, and Melbourne really sort of just died a bit in that last quarter. Simon Goodwin uh, had some interesting words last night. He's always very reflective. Um, he's quite measured at times, but we we did get a, a glimpse of Melbourne's frailties. But Simon Goodwin stayed pretty bullish about it last night. We've got a bit of a snippet talking about what he thought turned the game in Sydney's favour last night. Oh, look, I thought, you know, Sydney's defence was very good, especially in that third quarter. They were able to, to pin us in our back half for a period of time and they were able to maximise the opportunities that they had. You know, their pressure was outstanding throughout the whole night. Um, and for that period, they were able to lock us away and, and get the territory and, and win that battle. So it was a battle that they won convincingly in that phase of the game and that's probably the part that turned the game the most. Turned the game the most. Um... He's a good coach too, Simon Gooden Jeever, isn't he? Like he's always, he just he uses composure. Um, he's got a challenge on his hand now. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's, is he a good coach? <laughs> oh, or does he, yeah. or does he just have an unbelievable list? Like there seems to be a little bit of a little bit of negativity surrounding Goodwin. Certainly throughout the year, there's been you know talk about his relationship with the players and the board, and you know some some off-field stuff some some challenges that you know potentially impacts you know, can have impacts on the playing group so yeah i mean i think maybe there's a question mark there to if if i'm honest yeah mm. yeah i think i mean certainly those off-field things um perhaps a little bit in the past um i think they're well documented but potentially but you're right in terms of the conversations very much at the start of the year um there was some issues there potentially, and I look; these things have always come out in the wash, and winning does tend to. But look, even even last night, he just didn't seem to have any answer. Like it just it was it, yep. it was just this continual Sydney pressure that 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 was constant throughout the game. Yes, the, 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 there was no real change in strategy from from Melbourne at all that that I can recall. Can you think of any any shifts? I mean, Petrarca was a little injured. He he probably spent a bit. Uh, uh, Bit of time forward, but knock on the knee, didn't he? Yeah, there was no, there was no real, there was no real switching of positions. There was no strategy to, you know, to to try and negate that with with some physical pressure to you know to, to try and create some space around those contests. Yes, you know, use Jack Viney as a um, as a bit of a battering ram to to try and provide an opening somewhere. Then they just allowed Sydney to just create this circle around the contest, and there's just no out at all. Yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm not sure about Goodwin myself. All right, well, let's going to go to our first break. We've got lots more footy to talk about. We're going to have a Tassie Sports update after the break. Um, we'll come back and get some more reactions from the footy last night, perhaps in the second hour, but looking forward to talking local sport with Bali Kenzie coming up shortly. Great to have your company here on Tassie Sports Radio. Here on SEN, Saturday morning, beautiful. The clouds are just starting to disappear um, which is lovely, and we're all set for a beautiful day. We're down at Wentworth Park Soccer Festival for the kids here this morning, um, the home of the Clarence Zebras, of course, and it's terrific. Great to have your company. Look forward to talking to you for the rest of the morning. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app, this is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. 
Text 0437 Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 Saturdays in Tassie. Indeed, it is David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves and Barley Kenzie with you this morning here at Wentworth Park, home of the Clarence Zebras um, and a festival of... A round ball football going to happen today. Bailey, um, a big day in Tassie sport today. Um, in particular, headlining things, the TSL finals kick off. Absolutely, yeah. It's TSL finals day today. And after, a, a, I guess, a blockbuster season with Launceston taking out the minor premiership, we're, we're into September footy in the State League. So we'll have a look at who's playing who and where and as well as the team selections. But a bit before that, let's have a recap on the Alistair Lynch medal that was uh, taken out by Lauderdale's Sam Siggins. Um, so he claimed the media voted uh, BNF and now he's also claimed the umpire voted yes. best and fairest. It's absolutely incredible season for him. Um, he finished with 30 votes, which saw him poll in first, obviously. That was four votes clear of Kieran Lovell and the Blues' Brody Palfreman. Siggins actually didn't get a vote on the board until round six in the competition, but he finished strongly and, and claimed nine best on grounds. Uh, Lovell led the count for most of the night, but the leaderboard finished like this. Siggins finished with 30 votes. Kieran, uh, Kingbrew's Kieran that's a, Lovell. That's a big number. That is a big number. Flash, that's a massive number. Um, Kieran Lovell with 26, um, joint with Palfreman, who also finished with 26. Fletcher Seymour with 18. And Brad Cox Goodyear finished fifth with 17 votes. So a bit of a blockbuster night last night for the How Alistair Lynch medal. How many best on grounds there for Siggins? That nine. was nine. Nine that's best on grounds. That's a lot, isn't it? It's a hell of a lot. It's a lot of standout game where there's 20. Almost half. Yeah. That's one in every two games he's stepping onto the park. Do you know what he is, Sam Siggins? He's a big man. Huge. And, and, and as he's you know, obviously drafted uh, third-round draft pick for Adelaide and it didn't pan out, you, I'm watching him stand next to Alistair Lynch the other day and he made Lynch look like a dwarf. It's hard, it's hard for kids at that age because I don't think Correct. any... It, no athlete performs at their best before Correct. 25. Mm, of course they So don't. if you're a... And you're a big man. You know, so Siggins has really filled out. Um, you know, He's at his full body potential now. Uh, mid-20s, he's, he's, he's at his peak. He's playing his best football yeah, right he's... now. Well, imagine if his first opportunity at the big league was right oh, now as opposed yeah. to when he was yeah. 18. I think yeah. a lot of the people, Very true, particularly brother. in cricket and AFL, they find themselves in the system a little bit too early. Mm. Is there any merit in pushing that age back to 21? For it. Give them a bit of life experience, you know, let them play at that premier level and develop their bodies. When you I look think... at big Logan McDonald, the Swans, like mm. he, 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 you can just tell he's going to take two, three, four more years. Yeah, yeah, Very I... symbolic of Did... six do you think Flash Bales? You, you, you could you could draft them, draft Sam Siggins. Yes, mm. but he has to play three years in the VFL we'll or the, or the, the SNFL, and then he uh, and he's got three years in the gym. He's got to complete a uni degree or a TAFE course, and until you've completed that, you can't play league footy. I would say the key oh, to that, though, the key the to support would piece be, would be huge. Mm. The, the key to that, though, a lot of players find themselves in that exact situation where they spend three years in the VFL, they spend three years in the gym, and they get delisted as a result mm. of a lack of progression. So mm. the, the contingency on that would be you're not getting delisted so long as you're developing appropriately. So I guess food for thought there. But let's have a look, let's have a look at the TSL finals now. So the elimination final today is going to be played at a neutral venue, the Twin Ovals. It's going to be a battle of the Eastern Shore. Clarence and Lauderdale will be played at 2 o'clock. Um, the sides have played each other three times this year, and it's pretty fair to say they both play really well in the away games. Um, 
Clarence won both games they played at Lauderdale, and Lauderdale won the one game that they played at Clarence. So the neutral venue being the Twin Ovals, I guess, will make for very interesting viewing. It's been... Um, no Mariners, of course. Mm. And who does that affect? Sorry, who does that affect more? Lord, that affects Clarence a bit more, doesn't it? I guess so. I would, I would say so. But um, let's let's have a look at the lineup. Yep. So Lauderdale, they're obviously going to be boasted by you know having that Alastair Lynch medalist Sam Siggins in their lineup. He's going to be absolutely pumped coming off that medal win. He's also a former Clarence player, and there's there's a few in that camp who've moved across from Clarence to to the Dale, namely Ed Stanley at halfback, and Michael Blackburn a lead up forward, and Harry Richmond also in the forward. And they're some of those who've made the move. But funnily enough, no one has has gone the other way from Lauderdale to Clarence. So a bit of a grudge match as well. Um, it's been an amazing year for Clarence, though. They were sort of widely tipped to be around the bottom of the ladder with, with Peter Ryan in his, in his first year as coach. This week, he's re-signed for an additional two years, and I'm told the entire leadership group has also re-signed uh, for the coming season. So bolstered by the commitment of their senior playing group, Clarence. Um, and, yeah, it'll be a very interesting game at the Twins. So going down and watch that. They're, they're, the focus for Clarence will be very much on shutting Siggins down. So whether he's in the rack or up forward, if he's down forward, Baker Smith, the young man who, who's come back halfway through the season yes. after playing with Williamstown in the VFL, he'll be tasked with playing on Siggins. But if he's in the ruck, Siggins will go up against Sam Green, who's also a very exciting young player. So very exciting action there in that elimination final. Flash, Jeeves, yeah, it'll be a cracking game. Oh, who's, who wins, Barley? I'm going to go with Lauderdale. Lauderdale are going to get the win, despite, you mature know... Mature list, you mm, they? Mature list, absolutely. So they've got, they've got the runs on the board as far as I'm concerned. Um, let's have a look at the qualifying final. It's going to be a massive game, Launceston versus Kingborough. It's going to determine where the grand final will be played. If it's won by Launceston, the big dance will be up at Utah Stadium. And if it's won by Kingborough, the final will be at North Hobart Oval, okay. of, of course. Blunston Arena's out of action uh, due to the Cricket World Cup preparations. Launceston's only lost one game this year, and they've got a really good record against Kingborough. And as well as their good record, Windsor Park is just an absolute fortress for Launceston and really a nightmare for Kingborough. The Tigers have never won a game at Windsor Park, and they've only, in their seniors, in the State League history, won one game in the State's North, which was this year against North Lonnie at Utah. So they've got a pretty shocking record up North, and, and winning in the North really just remains a huge monkey on the yes. back for Kingborough. But their side, their lineup will be bolstered by the return of Kieran Lovell. He comes back from injury. Tomkinson's still out. Um, and the Blues are looking, I guess, pretty close to full strength, and they'll come in as heavy favourites. Last year, Launceston also went into their first final as heavy favourites, but they lost to North Launceston. So maybe a few early September woes for them. So interesting stuff there in that qualifying final. Of course, the Blues coach, Mitch Thorpe, uh, who was kind enough to come on SEN last week, He'll have to be keeping calm after it emerged that he's picked up a fine and a um, and a suspended suspension for some a bit of off-field drama a few weeks ago. So all happening there in the TSL. And, and very excitingly for the competition, it's going to be streamed live on the AFL app and on afl.com.au. So some much-deserved um, exposure for the TSL, like all the other state leagues around the country. Now we're going to be shown on the AFL, so very well, exciting. If you, if you do tune into that, Mitch Thorpe's uh, key to this game, when we spoke to him last last week, was around uh, contested footy in the air. Okay. Could, could, could Launceston you know, kind of expose 
Kingra's big men in the air. You know, they, they, they wanted to bring it to the ground. He really felt like, like their strength was going to be um, aerially with their, with their huge guys. Um, so I wouldn't mind betting the sprinklers were on this morning at, at Windsor Park trying <laughs> to make that ground as wet as they can. Update for HCI Care Insurance for Easy Health Insurance. Say hi to HCI. Well, that's the Tassie Sports Update for Harrison Agents, the Tasmanian real estate experts. We're going to continue more Tassie talk after the news. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves and Bailey Kenzie with you this morning. We're down at Wentworth Park, home of the Clarence Zebras here for a festival of round ball football. I don't like calling it soccer. It is football. I know Australians, we call it soccer, but it is the true football. Bailey, um, we've got some hockey news? We do have some hockey news, Flash. Yeah, so we're into the final season in Premier League hockey like we are with the TSL. Brett it's... loves hockey. Brett does love hockey. He cannot play as a left-handed no. Yeah. Did you know that, David? This has been a topic of no, conversation for the last few for weeks. I 10 years as a kid, but uh, never played left-handed. It is. It's a heart. Well, they're so adapt on both sides now, and they back stick, and, and it's a different game. Anyway, continue, Barley. No worries. Rubbish. <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a blockbuster series. We're going to have a look at both the men's and the women's fixtures. Starting at quarter past two today, University will face the Northwest grads in an elimination final. Uni are going into that one as favourites, but the Northwest grads are on a bit of a, a high okay. after a win in the last round of the home and away season, which saw them sneak into the finals series. So that'll be an interesting contest. Uh, shortly after that, it's the semi, or in, in footy terms, the qualifying final. Derwent, uh, the ladder leaders, will take on Canterbury. They're definitely Derwent going in as, as heavy favourites for that one. The winner of that will go straight into the grand final in, in two weeks' time, and they also earn themselves a week off next week, but the loser will have to do it the hard way and go through the preliminary final and play the winner of uni and the grads. So lots happening in men's hockey this week, and, and in the women's, the elimination final is going to be played between Derwent and the Diamondbacks. It's a 3v4. Derwent will be slight favourites for that one, and that one's at quarter past 11 this morning. At 12.30, it's the semi between OHA, who are the ladder leaders, and the grads. So 1v2 there, and uh, yeah, as the ladder would suggest, OHA going in as, as favourites. So same setup as the men's. Winner is into the big dance and uh, gets a week off. The loser has got to do it the hard way and go and front up for that preliminary final the next week, there's lots happening with hockey in the state. Flash, yes. Jeevesy. There's uh, there's state selections. There's there's hockey one, which has very much started up again. It's a very exciting time for hockey in Tasmania, and obviously we've heard that international hockey is going to be back here in which is awesome 2023. So plenty going on both at a local level and at a state and international level. I've got to say, if anybody hasn't gone and watched a, a really good game of club hockey of recent times, pop down to Newtown and have a look. It is of high standard it's a physical game it's tough it's a bit brutal at times as well um i barely last game of hockey i watched i watched a, a semi-final in launceston in the north in the northern greater northern league this time last year um it's a great game it is, it a, is great a great game. game it's so underrated yeah fiercely fiercely physical as well i it mean is. it's just so Absolutely. surprising when you when you first go and watch it i'd encourage anyone to yeah like you said flash get on down to newtown and and have a go at one of those games, but yeah. No, and it's... we've got the goats. The go mm. Eddie Ockham. Eddie Ockham. Matthew Wells. Gonna... Well, he was a great player. Gold medalist, of course, wasn't he? 
we'll get to see Eddie, like I say, in Tasmania next year, which will just give so many young Tassie boys and girls a chance to see their, their heroes. So. I'm going I'm to put you under the pump here. Wells or Ockenden? Oh, definitely Ockenden. No, no comparison. Yeah. Was, uh, was, Eddie, was Eddie Cleo 100 most handsome men in the world? No. No. That puts him back a peg. Does your... that put Wells up a little? No, but I really respect the fact that he's a good-looking rooster, wasn't he? Tall, dark Beautiful, skin. he's a beautiful man, Manny Wells. I've told him that many times. A great player, um, full-back for Australia for a long time, wasn't he? Eddie Ockerton now, going right through his mid-30s, wants to get through to Paris. Um, he's, his games, he's creeping up to 400. He's a, it's remarkable. And you know it? what he is, um, and I've only spoken to him a couple of times, he's the most regular dude that you that you ever come across. Um Yep, good words. Good to hear about the hockey. Um, and again, get down and have a look if you've got uh, nothing else to do today. We, look, we've got plenty to do, I know, because we've got some soccer starting up here in the next hour or so. We've got local footy, um, plenty to talk about. Let's go to our next break. We're going to continue talking about Tassie Sport after this. You're here with Tassie Sport here on SEN. David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves and Barley Kenzie bringing you through your Saturday morning. Thanks for your company. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 555. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 552 535. Saturdays in Tassie coming to you live from Wentworth Park where I think, Brett, we're going to have 70 teams today ranging with kids, boys and girls from under nines through to under 16s. It's interesting because we're in a position now with sport that we have such diversity, don't we? Kids want to play basketball everywhere. There's 70 teams here today. We've just been talking about hockey um, where we're the best team in the world in the men's and the top three in the women. Um, and then footy's still footy, but it's a different world, isn't it? We've got so many options. Yeah, and uh, of course, all of this um, available today across a couple of grounds, thanks yes. to, to, to Tilford, home of the new Ford Ranger. Um, really important sponsors um, of, of this little tournament. So my son, Ned, age eight, he's playing in this today. Yes. Uh, he'll be representing the, the Lauderdale Primary School. Where they're playing out at the Chigwell Oval uh, and Metro Park out there. Um, so... Uh, huge day of games. It was 140 teams across uh, across both grounds. Wow. Absolutely enormous. And it'll cross over into tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, huge for the kids uh, to, to be out and about. It's a beautiful day. It's, you know, Devonport coming down, Riverside, yeah, Launceston. Statewide. Brilliant. It is absolutely massive. So, um, yeah, hu- hugely important for young kids grassroots oh, level sport to be out whatever and it is doesn't matter the talent level just get out and run around I don't, know about, I don't know about you Brett but some of the best junior days of sport are gala days aren't they They're oh absolutely fun, yeah school versus school is 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 what it's all about and and, and as those kids progress it becomes that regional pride Definitely. and then as adults they, they start to Territor- it kind of build, builds, builds that loyalty which yeah. is um, which has been lacking for some time in, in local sport but I was moving into some, some NBL and some NBL Ooh, 1 news absolutely big exciting news around the Jack Jumpers camp um, they're going on a bit of a, a campaign a bit of a <clears throat> pre-season tour around the north and northwest of the state but Jack McVeigh won't be a part of it according to Scott Roth he's, he's a chance of playing round one against the Phoenix on the 1st of October. He's got some strength back into his shoulder, but 
he's not going to be a part of that of that preseason tournament, I, which I is wondered, interesting. I wondered that because he that was a, he looked like he dislocated that shoulder to me in that when he played. It was in the Boomers game, of mm. course, where he got that opportunity. So that must be seven or eight weeks ago. So it hasn't was it wasn't a kind experience. For the uh, for the Jack Jumpers, was no, it the Booms no, experience? It was, Excellent it that they were involved. <laughs> Steindl out, McVeigh injured. Yes, um, yeah, concerning. Absolutely, and, and the of other big Jock Perry. Sorry, Bailey. No, he's he's out with an ACL as well. Mm. Absolutely, and so that that preseason camp, we'll have a look a bit about the the schedule of that. They're going to be up there, uh, I think, until the eighth of September. So. Uh, today, they're going to have a community clinic at the Bernie Sports Centre, which you can still register for. That's from 2 till 3.30. Uh, then tomorrow, it's going to be an exclusive members clinic. So, obviously, some huge membership numbers in the north of the state. That'll be at the Alveston Sports and Recreation Centre. Um, then, on Tuesday, it's going to be the first uh, pre-season game against the Phoenix at the Alveston Sport and, and Recreation Centre. So... That's going to be an interesting one. A few, a few sore bodies, a few maybe coming back from the NBL one. We'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, and then on the seventh, there'll be a members forum up at Launceston Country Club. On the eighth, there'll be another practice game against the Phoenix at the Elfin Sports Centre. So plenty of basketball action, and very exciting for them to be going on that pre-season camp. What, what I love about that most, most is that I think. We've heard from sporting organisations in the past that they're going to be community-driven and they're going to do all these great things yes. throughout the state, mm. and then it never happens. They actually the are. The jack jumpers pull the trigger. <laughs> they, they, are, they are remarkable. Let's get it to the north. Let's have our camp up there. Let's do the um, uh, a practice game at the Elfin course. I mean, it's just it's 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 amazing. It's I love interesting it. because I've noticed this year with Tassie Cricket, and you've been involved with it for a long time. They've actually now, for the first time, they're really starting to get out to the schools regularly because they're seeing what the Jack Jumpers are doing. They're, they're, they've just taken the bit, as you said, and running with it. Well, it's really interesting, as you say, uh, Flash. Like when we talk about an AFL team coming into Tasmania, and we'll talk about it a lot later. Jeevesy had a Jeevesy raised a really interesting point off air last week about what does that mean for the the future of cricket. So obviously with things like the Jack Jumpers and the AFL, they're all these really community driven sort of organisations. What does it mean? Could it spell the death of, of cricket in Tasmania if an AFL team and a Jack Jumpers? Jeevesy was saying, Jack Jumpers mm. in the summer and That's AFL what we in the winter. About. We've got all these options. We've got 140 mm. teams playing here. Kids today. Kids I, have got choices. I, I, think, I think I think it's a huge problem for cricket. Oh, if, it's a if, huge I, problem. if I'm completely death, honest, death, death is a hard word, but yes, but um, a problem definitely. But if you, I mean, yeah, and, and maybe this is a topic for the second hour. But the failings of the BBL draft, the yes. failings of the yes. BBL in yes. general, is on a huge decline. Domestic yes. cricket is dead in the water. No one goes. No one's interested. No one watches. It's probably Test cricket that's actually the, the just the, the, the one thing that's actually hanging on, but on a on a more local basis, yep. Tasmania. Um, I, I think with the success of the Jack Jumpers over the summer, if we get this license, it'll be footy in winter. Where does cricket fit into that? It's a huge question. It is a big question. We'll continue on with a bit of Jack Jumpers news. We got a bit sidetracked there. Um, the other news from within the Jack Jumpers camp is that Roth is really um, looking favourably on the new recruit Rashad Kelly. He Ooh, says he's mama. surprised to even have a player of his caliber Jeez. in the NBL. Um, <laughs> that's so that's, that's a massive call from Scott Roth. He says yes. he's, he's says he could be in the Europe leagues making bulk cash, but he's out here playing in the NBL, so that's very exciting. Milton Doyle also making headway there. The other players who won't be partaking in the Jack Jumpers preseason camp are Jared Bairstow and Sam McDaniel, but that's because 
They're a part of the NBL 1 Southern Conference final against Mount Gambia. So Huge. Very interesting that that takes precedence over Jack Jumper's duty, and I'll explain why in a second. So that well, as we move to the NBL 1, the Chargers final is today. They'll face Mount Gambia at the State Basketball Centre in Melbourne. If they're able to get up, that'll see them progress to the national final. Interestingly, though, Harry Froling isn't able to play for the Chargers because of his NBL 1 commitments with Brisbane. So is it strange, I don't know, Flash, Jeevesy, that McDaniel and Best are able to pass up on the Jack Jumpers pre-season camp, but Froling's been told by Brisbane that he's got to go. Well, I think it's smart from the Jack Jumpers because the one weakness for Sam McDaniel is his offensive game. Correct. He's an unbelievable defender. We know that. Yep. And so he, he's taken on a huge role with the Chargers yes. um, at the offensive end. He's shooting, he's a ball handler, and, and, and that's great exposure. It's great experience for him to be getting reps in-game of all the things he's worked across the pre-season. Far better for him to be ball dominant in the charges as, as as part of that system than sort of you know partaking in a couple of weeks of, of more training and so um, do you think, pre-season based camp. Is it horses for courses then as to who plays in the pre-season tournaments and who goes oh, well, and plays NBL 1? or It's the NBL clubs that are That's saying, entirely no, up to the club. club stuff it, it, is, it is interesting that there's no sort of comp-wide approach as to who plays in what. I mean, I don't well, know what you could like it to. I would say too, that the Chargers are trying to be very collaborative with the Jack Jumpers, mm, whereas well, obviously the Brisbane, Brisbane mm. Bulls don't give a continental. I went and watched <laughs> um, the Kilsyth and Chargers last week. It was a scrappy game, but um, it was a packed house down here. It's a very much a shame that the game isn't in Tasmania. It should have been because they've, they've finished on top. But back to your point, Brett, about McDaniel and Bearstow. I saw both of them making shots last week fall away from 16 feet, swishing, and, like, they are absolutely getting better playing the NBL 1. Mm. Um, financially, mm. obviously, that's important to them. That's why they do it. But that is a shame, though, Harry Frolin, because that, that can be the, that's the difference between winning and losing. Mm. Absolutely. Do you think we could see some kind of formal partnership emerge between the Chargers and the Jack oh, Jumpers? So. There's obviously an unofficial one yep. going on there. There's obviously a pathway sort of transition program. Well, that makes sense, doesn't yeah. it, Brett? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely as as the NBL is progressing, you'll start to see those structures um, form underneath like G League a little almost. better. Yeah, Maybe, so yeah. like you know, a bit of a secondary tier, and we've obviously got the NBL one. Um, how that how that relays, you know, sort of further down the chain into the junior ranks, mm. it'll, it it will all start to line up. I think give it five years, and there'll be you know some real synergy through. Perhaps a seamless progression from sort of your underage nationals to your NBL one, and then into your mm. NBL sort of list, as opposed to maybe development players. You could get more game time by playing in the NBL one. It's definitely food for thought. I mean, having that sort of in between the two to bridge the gap. The NBL one is obviously a very mm. important competition. Two powerhouses of the the old Siebel meeting the Chargers, and of course Mount Gambia. They're, they're a, they've been a powerhouse forever, aren't they? So fascinating to see what happens there, Bailey. Let's go to another break. And we'll come back shortly. We've got plenty to talk about. We've got the Tassie Mariners, of course, the under-18 competition, looking to get into the preliminary final for the first time in Tassie footy history. You hear talking Tassie sport on SCN with David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves and Bailey Kenzie. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app, this is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437-552-535. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437-552-535. 
Great to have your company on a stunning, stunning morning. Brett, I told you about those clouds which were disappearing. They're gone. Gone. Um, this it, is this is Hobart at its absolute best this morning here at Wentworth Park. Festival football coming up of the round ball variety hosted here by the Clarence Sibbles. You know what it is? Yep. It's a golf day. It is a golf day. Tassie have just renoed their greens. So it's a good six weeks out How there. How are you hitting them? Sadly, no, not at all. I did play at Oatlands yesterday on a golf day with uh, Andrew Dean. Do you remember yeah. uh, Deeney? Played North Hobart and Jock Dean. No. And Andrew Dean. No, okay. Uh, yeah. Prominent um, country footballer as well, absolute legend. So he, he ran a farmer's day up there um, talking about bushfire recovery. And, and, yeah, it was, and the Oatlands golf course is amazing. Is it? It is amazing. Is it? Volunteer run. Uh, and their greens are, are, are as good as any in the state. You're I, gu- I guarantee Mayonnaise. you. The, honestly, <laughs> I swear to you. And and it has my favourite colour palette for a golf course. So beautiful green fairways, and then set off by the you know by the straw fescues, just off the. It, it is a, it is an absolute picture. I, I promise you, you have to go up there and play it. We will have to do that. And maybe I'll go up with you, and you combine that with with what we've got out at Bothell Ratho. Just oh yeah, it is seriously. That's a little golf hub up there. I, honestly, Oatlands yeah, is is right in the conversation. Yep. Big news today, of course, on the Tasmanian footy front is the Tasmanian Devils, the under 18s, are playing their quarterfinal 11:30 this morning at Icon Park. The old Optus Ovals. We perhaps know it as uh, the Devils playing Bendigo. So Tasmania, Brett finished second uh, in the end, had the bye last week. So they're very fresh, ready to go. They play Bendigo, finished seventh. The rest of the games, Gippsland Power, who were the top of the table team, only lost one game, of course. That was to Tasmania um, six or seven weeks ago. They play the Northern Knights. Dandy, Dandy Long Stingrays, who finished third, play the Western Jets. And Sandy Dragons versus the Calder Cannons. So... The Devils, what an opportunity they've got oh, for them. Um, sets up perfectly, doesn't it? Yes. But, but more, Sons of guns. And... More broadly, this this level of talent, and of course the age group beneath this is oh. star-laden. Yeah. <laughs> no, apparently they're the cream. Correct. And so this has to fare well in terms of the license stuff, doesn't it? That we, we have got this talent pool ready and waiting to represent, to represent the Tasmanian team in four or five years' time. That that has to be part of the case because these kids are phenomenal. Lockie Cowan is the, probably the pick of the North Lonnie star, projected to be around about the pick 20. Scotty McCallum's son, Tom mm. McCallum. We had him on Jack and Flash a month ago, six foot four. Uh, he's he's going to be an All-Australian this year. He'll, he will get drafted at some stage, of course. Um, Jack Callan, son of Ian Callan, who's an underage, so he's got one more year to go, has played some tremendous footy. So what a great opportunity for these kids. And look, we haven't had an under-18 team. Uh, look, we haven't always been in the competition, Barley, of course, mm. the, as the, the old Mariners, they were in it sometimes and out of it. But um, this will be their first opportunity to play in a preliminary final, which is terrific for Tasmanian footy of the Sharon variety. But it's got... It's got vibes around, you know, if, if you go back 20 years, yep. the, 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 the cricketing year group that came through yes. and, and there'd been, you know, history of Tassie had really struggled um, in, in those national carnivals. Uh, income, Bailey, um, yep. Doherty, Hilfenhaus, yes. Butterworth, Payne and so on and so on. And then there was, this, there was this elevation, <laughs> wasn't there? There was an elevation. Yep. Into the into the tier one standards, and then all those kids went on to play prominent, have prominent first class and international careers. This has got similar vibes. So we've got this generational uh, pool of talent coming through. I just think it fares so well for Tassie. And if we get this license, 
we're going to see these kids on the highest stage. But if we, you go, go. Could, we, could we get some draftees out of this lineup? do you think? Do you, how many? Two, three? Two. two? Yeah, they'll get two. Maybe they'll get a rookie or two as well. You reckon um, you can lock yeah, that in, take that to the bank? I'll, they'll yep. get two drafted and hopefully a couple of rookies, which so would be terrific. Who are they and what picks are they going at, do you reckon? Cowan will be mm. pick 20, and I reckon Tommy McCallum 35 to 40, yep. somewhere around that. Just talking with some draft experts the last couple of weeks, I think that's where they sit. They've got... Plenty of work to do, of course, and hopefully for those guys, they can really shine on the big stage today at Icon Park at 11.30. That's the first hour done, guys. We're having a good run this morning. Again, we're here at Wentworth Park. Come and say g'day down here at the home of the Clarence Zebras. 70 teams here between the under-9s and the under-16s. Going to play a 1,000 games around Chigwell as well. Oh, Brett Jeeves' old stomping ground. Great to have your company wherever you're listening around Tasmania this morning. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 552 535. And good morning to wherever you are listening around Tasmania. David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves with you this morning coming live to you from the home of the Clarence Zebras here at Wentworth Park. Brett, without further ado, we've got a special guest who's joined us. Um, good morning, Nick. How are you going? Nick Giovanni's joined us this morning. How's things? Good morning, boys. Beautiful. Another lovely day in uh, Hobart. It is, uh, mate. Especially on the eastern shore. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it, it is. It is. Funny. That's a fact. Always four Jeeves, degrees. Jeeves, knows that. Always four definitely degrees warmer over here. Definitely two. Four I've, I've lived over here for 15 I years. Agree. I'm a Glenorchy boy. I know. Proud, passionate. But uh, no, the eastern shore is definitely sunnier. Tell us about today, mate. Um, it's a big, big day. What's... Uh, oh. Broaden our horizons. Tell us all about it. Well, the, the Hobart Cup has been run by um, Vicky Morton from South Hobart for many, many years. Yes. And um, obviously it's such a 660 games Amazing. this weekend. Um, across, um, spread across Cornelian Bay here. Um, there's four Chigwell. or five. Yeah, North Chigwell. Um, down at oh, all different places. So... We've got 69 games over the weekend here, so we're, we're busy boys and busy girls here today. Look out behind you. Oh, oh we just had the... Uh, <laughs> He's been attacked by the, the SEN sign. I've been wanting to have that sign fall on you for a while, and I missed it. <laughs> yeah, so it's a uh, big, big, big tournament. And um, as I said, it's you know, under under nines, right through to the under 16s. Competitions, we were busy last night, a heap of games here last night, all day today. All day tomorrow, Father's Day, so a few impressed mothers there, I think. And how do we split up the boys and girls component? I mean, is it like, and I want to just mention about the girls in particular, is that is that getting bigger and bigger all the time? Bigger and bigger all the time. And Fantastic. We've, we've grown our female department by tenfold since we've merged from um, zebras and wow, parents. Yeah, so. and, and is that on the back of, you know, the, the Matildas a lot and the success and Sam Kerr? Because oh. I, I say that because I know my girls now... They watch it, and they, they, you know they watch they watch women's international football. The thing is, is, the Matildas were very more successful than the men for most of the time. And very much so. Men pulled their finger out not long ago and qualified for the World Cup. So let's make them popular again. But yeah, the, the female part is, is 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 huge, and with the government grants and well, as you know now in football and that you know forty percent of your board's got to be female. You know, yes. so that you're getting a lot more involvement with um, people wanting to join, and they've got it, and you've got to get. The hard part is you got to get out there and get them to join. It's like having women, ref- female referees, female bosses, directors. So it, it's all out there and it's mentioned all the time. So it's the same in football. It's uh, it's growing tenfold. As I said, we've got 
oh, probably a dozen female teams already. We used to have one back in the days when we were Hobo Juventus. So, you know, we had one female football team now. We've got them from 8s, 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, 16s, seniors, socials. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. Nick, given given that growth, and I can remember a little while ago, there was a little bit of buzz around an A-League licence in, in Tassie. Has that drifted away? I mean, because the participation numbers in soccer in Tasmania are undeniable. It is It, 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 it has to be the most played sport uh, across the state by juniors. Does that does that equate to... Yeah. Tassie is the same as the, the, the soccer, the football side, we call it, as, and the same as your football side, mm. Jeezy, is... Yeah, we're huge. Potential. We, we've got more participation than AFL. Mm. So in female and male, it's just that, that's how big it is. The problem that you've got here is the same as the, the AFL. Is you've got your north and your south arguing all the time and who's where to play and what and how to do and who's but the better one. Does that actually happen? Does it still? Does, <laughs> yeah. does, it obviously happens in the round ball code. It, man, it's, it'll be netball, basketball, car racing, always. No yeah. matter what it is, yeah. where you're going to hold the main event. Yeah, we are the capital city. So you know, it's like saying Melbourne, we're going to play the A Grand Final in Geelong. Like, We've got a we'll pretty good argument to, to, to play host. But, yeah, I, I can kind of recall, even even from a media perspective, there was a little bit of buzz around uh, a stadium being built on the domain, and that started to gain some traction and some, some huge investors. Uh, I think well, someone from the Forbes rich list was, was going to be involved. It, well, it started to really grow. Well, well, it's not a rumour. It's true. The, the two very wealthy guys that broke away from Melbourne Victory that um, had the money, wanted mm. uh, the ugly licence put in, um, obviously knocked back from Football Australia. Um, two very wealthy men that could run it themselves. Um, so they're, they're, it's still on board, yeah. Mm. And I think with the AFL now, the hot topic, yeah. uh, it's, it's yeah. sort of taken the, taken all the limelight off. Because as you said, the soccer, the football was yeah. the, um, yep. the limelight. Everyone's talking about, yeah, you're going to get that before the AFL. And everyone's, you know, all the AFL boys are going to be peed off. <laughs> yeah. They're get soccer here before we get yep. AFL. Big We've been problems. trying for 40 years. Yeah. So... I think eventually it may happen. The money's there. Like, the wealthy guys from Melbourne who can't have another Melbourne club. That's mm. not a problem. Yeah. So, yeah. Jeez, I mean, that that, that is enormous, isn't it? And, and, you know, I think you've really got to credit, credit Larry Kesselman and, and the NBL. Yeah, they've come in and they've made it happen. You know, the the talk is the easy oh. part. They made it happen. But what it's done is put a bit of pressure on the AFL, the A-League, to actually follow suit. The, the basketball compared to the AFL and the, and the soccer, the football, is that the difference is... Where the A-League a would be like the basketball. We don't even need three or f three to 5,000 in a mm. boutique stadium. Mm. We don't need 20, 30, 40,000 like the AFL talk about. So that's why basketball was so successful. Yeah. They're sold out. Like they're doing, you could have made it twice the size. But yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know. And A-League's no. aside, we don't want a 20,000 stadium because you're never going to fill it. Mm. Tassie hasn't got the population. Yeah. And is this where the, the broader discussions, Brett, come in and about the future with a with a stadium um, in in town because because the, there's no reason why a Tassie A League team couldn't play there either. Oh no, a Tassie A League team would play in the foot in the footy venue. It's a footy. It's like um, behind you here, where you see this beautiful venue we've got here. We've we've got a master plan in with the council. We want to turn this into a boutique stadium for for, for, for mm. the soccer football side of it. In joint, can, you've got to have two leagues. So the touch football yep. and us on that. Enclosed boutique stadium, fencing, car parking here for about three or four thousand, five thousand people. Perfect. So, would you rather that than playing on an AFL venue where you can't you can't no, play an AFL no. venue? No, that's, you, you, that's always been the, the challenge, view, isn't it? It's like when when we go to 
the Launceston, no disrespect yeah. to Launceston, mm, but yeah. playing the A League there, far away. it's too far away. It's like yeah. watching ants. Yep. And and the and, and the, the all AF, all soccer grounds, football grounds, are, they're all close. That's right. Everyone's all enclosed on top of each other, and that's the atmosphere that you need. You lose once you lose the atmosphere, it's yeah, mm. it, it's hard. It's like here, you, everyone's on when you've got a big game here, everyone's around. It's noisy. You've got to have the atmosphere otherwise. That's why the Gold Coast fail. Yes. Mm. In the, in. The, well, they go fake fail and everything they try they because it's a. <laughs> it is. It, it's it's a deathbed for sport. It has been historically. It's a transit place. Yeah. That people in and out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, before we let you get back in, uh, I know that you you were in there cooking the salves, of which I'll have four. Thank you. Nice let's, fresh egg and bacon let's, rolls. Let's, let's lock those juice. in, please. Um, tell, tell tell us about the community partnerships that that allow events like this on this huge scale yes. uh, to oh. take place. It's just all, it's mainly just a lot of volunteers um, and, and Vicky, Vicky and, and her, her, all her staff at the Hobart Cup staff there just do a wonderful job setting it all up. Obviously, then we rely on other people like our club to help out, yep. to, to do it all. And you've got, you know, sponsors that come on board that help out. Um, I don't know many of that help out Vicky, but, yep. you know, I know yep. that obviously Ford in, in town, yep. uh, Tilford there is big, big sponsors of the club and, yep. and like, uh, like to look after everyone. So... Uh, they're a big place. We've got Briley's Hose and Handling that, that's really deeply involved. Yeah. Um, there's a whole lot, a whole lot of places, and I'll miss them. Um, I'll try and t- say them all, but just everyone that helps. Yeah, uh, perfect. Yeah, you know, Tilford's a big group. It's got the, we've got Honda Land Rover, uh, the Skoda's franchise, yep. the Tilford, the Gormanston Road used car. So, and Justin Rook and uh, Sean Hayward, who, who who runs it all, is is very generous. Especially with the community things, so. and of course the new Ford Rangers around new Ford the Ranger, new Raptors. Right, yeah. if, you, if, if you if you want one, you've you got want the cash. You, you, do you, you want do one? You or do you need a test driver for a year? Do you need a hand? I'm happy to. I'm happy to. <laughs> if, we, if we had stock, I'd be able to give you one. Right? So, so. Get, someone can have my Rav, and I'll, I'll take the Ford Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good swap, isn't it? Twice the car, the Ranger, they reckon. Well, and size-wise, they're really oh, no, they're good. vehicle. Yeah. Well, we had something like 320 orders last month and we're just now is it a problem with cars can you fill orders at the moment is it getting better mate, than what I, it was? I'm financing air at the moment mate yeah. so you know it's <laughs> stock is king isn't it yeah 6 to 18 months away wow it's the same everywhere you go wow yeah it's not yeah it's not good that's difficult it's going to yeah. take a long time to, to fix the, the problem but we'll get there yeah, yeah. patience amazing uh, t- can I just before we let you go um, today Give us the name of a couple of good kids. Give me, give me, a, give me something that I'm going to put in my diary here. Couple of good, good I, kids. I, I want, to, I want yeah. two kids, boys and girls. Doesn't matter who. Just whoever comes to your mind first. You'll know it already before you tell me. Yeah. Um, someone I can, and I, we don't want to highlight them in the big. Ten, no, no, no. Ten, ten years time. We'll bring yeah. them yeah. back. Give me, oh, and I'll be playing for Man- Manchester United. I'll give you one of the female side. She's a star. She's yes. only just turned 15 and playing WSL, which is the top league here. Invited to the awards, yes. uh, scored 10, 11 goals already. She's wow. uh, second year at the club. Her name's Eliana. She's in the state Eliana. team. Eliana. Off, off Jeffakaris. There you yes. go. Not bad for Greg. I'm Italian. I could have mentioned that. Yes. So uh, <laughs> she's a superstar. Eliana so, Jakaris. Jeffakaris. 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 Yes, Seen her that many times in the on the media and everything. So yeah, she's going to be a superstar. I don't reckon she'll be in Tassie for long. Um, Fantastic. So that's that's one. And probably in the male side, we're talking about Jack Modrell. Jack Modrell. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good lad, that one. We'll, we'll notch him down for the next couple of years in the NPL. How old is so, Jack? Jack's 16. Yes. 15, 16, yeah. So, yeah, we've, uh, we've got some talent over here. So, uh, we've won 
won a few premierships in the youth league, which you've grown. Under 16 girls have won the premiership, so under 14 boys have won it, under 13 tier threes have won it. So the most successful year in the last three years that we've had a merger. So I've just got to get the boys up there now. The women have been very successful, so... Well, I'll tell you what, Nick, uh, yes, I will have one of those egg and bacon rolls when you get around to <laughs> you it. You shouldn't have offered. Um, thanks for having us this morning Not here a problem. at the it's facility. A it's a beautiful day, and we look forward to watching the kids run around shortly. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good day. Thanks, thanks Nick. Thanks, thanks Easy. Talk to you later. Nick Giovanni joined us here this morning talking Tassie Sport here on SEN. David Lithgow, Bailey Kenzie to rejoin us shortly, and Brett Jeeves. We'll be back after the next break. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 Great to have your company Saturdays in Tasmania. David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves and Bailey Kenzie's here with us again. Bailey, um, cricket's not far away, mate. We've already tipped into spring. Um, what's the news on the Tigers front, please? Well, we're getting very, very, very close to the cricket season. You can hear a bit of background noise around us. We're here at the beautiful Wentworth Park preparing for a big game of soccer, 70 games across today. But let's look to the summer sport cricket. It's worth mentioning the Shield and the one-day comps for domestic cricket are very much on the horizon. And um, I've talked to a few players uh, within the camp at Cricket Tasmania, and one of the main talking points um, that's going to be, I guess, a hot, a hot topic of discussion is the wicket-keeping spot for Tasmania. Ah, uh, yes. There is the grudge battle. It's not a grudge battle because they're both very good friends, but it is the two university wicket-keepers, Tim Payne, and Jake Doran, who is going to play that opening Sheffield Shield game, is the very much the burning question at the moment. Well, is it, is it the question, or do both players, or do, or is it if, because I would imagine if, let's say, Tim Payne, who's clearly the better glove, and let's mm-hmm. be frank about it, yep. is playing, I would imagine Jake Doran would still play as a batsman, wouldn't he? Well, that's, that's the interesting question, yeah, but, but whether... well, I'm, I'm told the opposite. So despite... Payne being the, the more talented gloveman, the, what the Tasmanian Tigers are, are weighing up at the moment is um, Doran has got much more volume in in the last 12 months in terms of preparation with his wicket-keeping. He's just gone away to play in Queensland in the KFC T20 Max tournament up there. The volume of cricket and the volume of balls that he's caught in the last 12 months is such that they really are deliberating who takes the gloves. It, it's the conversation going on within the camp, and despite Payne's talent, Far and away, with the gloves being, being being better than Jake Doran's at this stage, I think uh, they are going to lean towards Jake Doran with the gloves in that first game. Is the intel that I've got. So wow. very that, that would that would surprise me. Me too. I mean, mm. Tim Tim Payne's glove work is ridiculous. It's you know all all world well, level. Tim, I mean the the challenge I would think for Tim is going to be reintegrating with the bat. The gloves will be no problem. That's mm. just it's just muscle memory. He'll he'll pick that up easily. It's going to be with the stick. Yeah. Again, again, this isn't my opinion. This is just what the words that I'm hearing from within the camp is. That's the direction that they're they're leaning towards. The debate and what some of the players have said is what precedent does it set picking a um, an uncontracted player over an incumbent contracted wicketkeeper who was the mainstay, who locked away his shield spot last year. 
like I say, Tim Payne, obviously the superior wicketkeeper, but they're weighing up that decision both That's in terms there. of a volume that perspective that... and in terms of contractual perspective. That angle is very, very interesting, Bali. So you, so you kind of think in, in and around the group, there's a bit of disgruntlement that maybe Tim's just going to waltz into a game without a contract and... Um, he's going to be given the golden run. Your feel is that the, that the squad aren't Hang overly on, comfortable. You put words into his mouth. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say disgruntled. I'm, not yeah, I'm, say, I'm um, media. I'm part of the media, mate. This is my role. Well, I'm not going to gonna, try and make him fall over a little I'm bit. I'm not going to say disgruntlement. <laughs> Um, not going to say disgruntlement at all, but the conversation is well and truly prevalent within the camp that there is a discussion around who is going to take the gloves out of Jake Doran and Tim Payne. The Tigers have got no shortage of glovemen whatsoever, but I can tell you on very good authority that that is something they are weighing up. Who takes the gloves in the Shield game? The one day is I'm not so sure of, but that does leave um, a few questions around the makeup of the side. It's safe to say um, for, the, for the Shield, that's, that's not far away at all. But it follows two one-days on the 28th and the 30th against South Australia and Queensland, respectfully, both in Brisbane. So that opening game is going to be against Queensland. So I've talked to a few uh, from around the place, and the word within the camp is Jewel and Caleb Jewell and Tim Ward will be opening up their mainstays at the top of the order. They've had a very good season last year, Hang Ward on, particularly. I'm just, I'm just noting all these down because I've got a checklist for you and I'm going to come back in six yep, weeks. So, so we've got, got Ward and Jewell. Ward and yeah, Jewell. I was going to say, right, this thing, this yeah. is an early team announcement. It is an early team announcement and I've got a few caveats to throw around, particularly on the fast bowling front as many emerge from injuries as usual. Um, it's going to put McDermott at first drop, Doran at four, taking the gloves, Silk at five, Webster at six and captain. Lawrence Neal Smith, 7, Freeman, 8, Rainbird, 9, Siddle, 10, Bird, 11. That is my prediction that's for the lineup. That's a long one-day tail. It is. No, no, that's, that's the Shield side. Oh, that's the Shield this team. This is the Shield Sorry. team. It's still so a this long is, tail. It is a, it is a long tail, and like I said, there's many caveats um, around that, so I'm not by any way saying that is, the, that is the 11. This is just my prediction from who I've talked to around what the side could look like, um, and that deliberation over the wicket-keeper is a... Is a Definitely a big talking point going into the season. If I'm picking the team, I'm picking Tim Payne. Um, and we'll see how the selectors fare on that front. So, yeah, like I said, prior to well, that opening game, there's two one-days. Um, and there's a lot of fast bowlers who are coming back from injuries. So, Peter Siddle's picked up a little bit of a niggle, I'm told, for Somerset. Um, we've got Mitch Owen out injured. I think Wakem will miss out altogether. So, there, there are some injury concerns, but they'll travel with the squad and perhaps work their way in through workloads into the one-day lineup um, for those two one-days that are taking place beforehand. Um, so very interesting news. Uh, we've got an opportunity for Billy Stanlake to have a run for the Tigers for the first time, as well as uh, he's currently carrying an injury, as well as Nathan Ellis and Riley Meredith. Um, so a chance for them to bring back some of their injured quicks through the one day. So it's a side that does not lack depth at all, and in my opinion is a true... You've got some bowlers, Brett. Sheffield Shield so, contender. Yeah, where, where does, where's Meredith at injury-wise? Is he still side strain, or is he fractures? What, what's, what's the update on young, young Riley? Do we know there? Riley is currently coming back from an injury. I'm not exactly sure what he has picked up this time around. Um, because with, with with Riley and Stanlake, there's a bit of airspeed there. There's there? a bit of airspeed. Yeah. yeah, they've got some really out and out quick bowlers, which is going to be useful, particularly in the, as we head up north. You know, when we go to Brisbane and places like that, that raw pace is going to be the difference. And then we've got those crafty sort of skiddy bowlers. We've got Nathan Ellis when we come back into Tasmania. Mm. We've got we Jackson some... Bird who can stand the seam up and really challenge both sides of the bat. So it's a side fit for all conditions. The other toss up will be around the spin bowler. Are they going to pick? Uh, Jared Freeman or Tom Andrews at this stage. Um, 
I've got an inkling that Jared Freeman is leading that race, particularly in the in the Red Bull format. Yeah, could I'm, play I'm both not, in the white ball. I'm not sure about Tom as a as a Red Bull player. He's an excellent white ball player. He, just, mm. he doesn't quite get enough revs with the Red Bull, does he? I think he no. he played his first three Shield games for Tassie. He didn't take a wicket. Um, so and look, he he's. He's, he's emerging. A good he's an excellent one-day he? player, and that's yeah. fine. I think that's terrific. That's his but um, Freeman offers a little bit more. Uh, I think he's a little bit more craft through the air, and gets more bat. revs, and, and bats quite nice. I think Andrews is the better batter. Um, but, Do you? Yes. Oh, he's very, very, very. Andrews or Freeman? Andrews, Andrews is, very is good far, by far yeah. the better batter. You can, that's out and out clear. Very he's got batter. a first-class hundred to his name, albeit yeah. on a flat yeah. Karen Rolton oval deck. But mm. he is—he's a genuine batter at grade level. Uh, Tom Andrews and he's he's a very strong. Unfortunately, player. in Shield cricket, uh, you, you you can't your spinner can't be a medium pacer, no. and unfortunately, that's that's what Andrews is. Mm. You're saying he's a medium pacer? He's, well, he doesn't spin it. It's a medium pacer. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So you don't you, you wouldn't give any thoughts to the flight or the drift that he's able to get on the ball. He's just a medium pacer. Well, he doesn't he doesn't offer a great deal of it. Well, yeah, you know, which which is why he's an excellent one day cricketer. Um, but the challenge for him is red ball. How does he get some? How does he get some craft? How does he, you know, does he slow it up? He get, can, can he get some drift? Can he get some mm. revs and actually take the ball away from the bat um, when, when, when bowling to right, right, um, bowling oh. to right-handers? One oh. thing I would say about Tom Andrews is um, if you're going to be a bowler of that sort of flat trajectory, um, you're going to, you know, get your pace up to that high 80s, low 90s mark, particularly in shield cricket. You're going to want to be accurate, and I would argue that Tom Andrews bowls a boundary ball probably once every two overs, which at the shield level is just too much of a mm. let-off. Mm. You need to be stringing together multiple maidens at a time, particularly on those flat decks. And I think Jared Freeman's shown in recent years that he's been more readily able to do that relative to Tom Andrews. So plenty to weigh up. There's well, discussions around fast bowlers. Up, you have made some outlandish predictions, and I like it. Big calls, aren't they? We do. Like, look, this the Tim Payne one's a fascinating conversation, no doubt about that. Yeah. And we're really interested to see how that plays out. Look, I think what we've realised as we've watched Alex Carey take the gloves in in Asia is how good Tim was mm, like absolutely his, and so whether that what what is that discussion going to be do you I know Jeff Vaughan's a big fan of Tim's um, and I, I look forward to seeing yes. what happens there because you're right Jake Doran's been there now for two years keeping he kept the entire last season of the Sheffield Shield so to upset yep. that lineup is going to be a really interesting yeah, one I, mean, I, read it, I read in a piece that I think um Tim or Jeff were were angling towards the fact that Tim is going to have to come back through the grade level and, and prove himself there wow. again. I don't agree with that at all. Oh, Personally, in my opinion, and I'm biased, knowing Tim, he's the best wicketkeeper in the world. Out oh, yeah, the best wicketkeeper bat, in the batting, world. Batting-wise is is where I agree. He, he needs some some competitive repetition. Mm, but mm. I think I think throwing Tim into into a game, a shield game at the Gabba for his first competitive hit out in 12 months. Uh, is setting him up to fail, no and that's, doubt. And so that's, that's where I come from. So the practice matches and 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 the lead in over the next month is is obviously going to be hugely important. But I think any any concern around upsetting that team balance with Jake Doran as the keeper mm. uh, is is probably a little silly because it's not it hasn't been a winning cricket team. So you are you are agreeing that. Jake Doran should stay as, as the gloveman of that side. Depends how Tim reintegrates back in in, in competitive environments over mm. this next period. But what I'm saying is that 
they shouldn't be settled with the team that they had last year because they yes. weren't winning any games. It's different if they won the, the if they won last the, if, year. Yeah. You know, if, I mean, they had a bit of a surge late, but if they won the mm. Sheffield Shield, mm. then maybe it's a bit of a no-brainer. Is another option to introduce mm. Payne back in. Sort of when he made his re-emergence into the international scene, Payne came back via the T20s and then he was able to go in. So can you introduce... Is there scope to introduce him via the white ball and then get him into the Shield? Yeah, but the trouble is the white ball starts two or three months after the red ball, so I'm not, I don't think No, it doesn't. The white ball starts two days before the couple first of one Shield game. heading there's in before two. the first Shield game. So the, the, sure, it I has t- yeah. T20, I'd, I'd mean. No, yeah. no, sorry, I mean, um, sure. I mean as in is there scope cricket. for... Yeah, and, oh, that's the other really interesting uh, discussion point around Payne. Could he fill that last spot on the Hurricanes list? I haven't... It's, it's a well-kept secret if he has filled that last spot, but there is one spot remaining on the Hurricanes list, and Jeff Vaughan said he welcomed Payne back with open arms, so could he fill that last BBL spot? Interesting, interesting. Let's go to the news, and we'll have a break. We'll come back and talk a bit more cricket shortly. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app, this is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437-552-535. Beautiful morning down here at Wentworth Park, the home of the Clarence Zebras. Um, we've been very much blessed with some great hospitality as well. I've just scoffed an egg and bacon roll, which was... Um, which, tr- which, Flash, let me stop tr- you there. Everyone could hear you eating that through the... It was slopping and... Tr- tr- it's like... It was like sitting next to my brother on Christmas Day, Sam. I know you he eat, listens, but you eat your well yourself, don't you? <laughs> Let's not be silly. I've got Jim over there who um, sets us up every Saturday and Friday, and for all our live sport, looking after my two-year-old son. Well, he's he's been grandfather um, today. He's been amazing. He's, with your uh, young bloke. He's remark been quite remarkable, my son. I thought he would have been doing all sorts of naughty things at the moment, but we've got to twenty minutes to go, and he's in one piece, which is great. Bailey more. BBL stuff just quickly before we yep. go to our next break. What have you got for us? Well, let's talk about the BBL a little bit, and I'm fired up about this. Um, okay. The draft and the draft system is in a complete and utter failure from Cricket Australia to reinvigorate the competition and to take pressure off the action that's coming from Channel 7 and the like over the quality of the competition until Cricket Australia is able to shorten the length of the BBL and to privatise the competition, they are not going to be able to attract the high-quality talent that we see in other leagues abroad. It was a complete embarrassment from the Platinum players' perspective. Just 12 out of the 12 Platinum players were picked up in that $340,000 bracket. It left $1.7 million of talent going unpicked. There were players like Faf Duplessis, Jason Roy, Kieran Pollard and Dwayne Bravo left unselected. Now, can I be devil's advocate here? And I agree with you with all those things, and it was a bit of a circus. It just didn't seem to work. But, you know, some of these platinum players that you brought in, they could only play six games. Yeah, so yes, I, yeah. So I'm looking at my list management, right, and I'm yeah. just... If I'm David Saker or Ricky Ponning, whoever in charge of whatever mm. you're doing, you, there's... I don't think you could pick up after this. But I agree okay, with you, Flash. No, this no, is what okay. I'm saying. I, I completely agree yeah. with you. And the reason they're not going to pick them up is because of the scheduling of the competition. If it's shorter and they're able to play that whole competition, then yeah. the coaches are able yeah. to say, OK, here's Faf. He can play the whole comp. Let's pick him up. He's world class. But the reason they're not Emirates. is, like you say, because of the continuity. They've got these other privately backed, shorter duration competitions that they have to contend with and until they adopt that model they aren't going to be able to bring in the same talent 10 games is all you need what have we got this year is it still 16 it's 
ridiculous. Well, it's more, isn't it? They're, it's even more. Play, it goes, it's like a, more. It's like a full-on oh, no, summer. Yeah, you'd be 16. right. They play each other twice. Sixteen games, too which, many. which is too many. I, I can remember a great Twitter argument between um, Nick Cummins, who was um, yep. BBL leader and CEO yep. of Cricket Tasmania. Pro more games. The yeah, the New South Wales CEO. Right. I, and I forget his yeah. name. And Peter Layla yeah. from the Australian. <laughs> And they had this unbelievable back and forward, and, and you know, and and so Cummins was was about the statistics of we've had more people through the gates, and he's like, and Layla's, well, on average you haven't because you've got more games, sure, which equates to more people, but on on average it's down, which means the interest is down. Yes. The and other, it's, um, yeah, it's mm. it's a it's a bizarre argument, and I think too, Bales, just really really quickly, mm. I'm with Flash. If I'm going into that that draft and I'm picking my team, I want to I want to build a culture. I'm not picking up Absolutely. Duke generally, no generally way. the teams that win that tournament are the ones that gel the fastest. And if you've got guys floating in and out, playing four games here, yes. two games there, one at the back end of the mm. year, and not available yeah. for finals, you're no chance. Absolutely, nah. and you're pushing an open door with me, Jeevesy. That's completely agree with that. Um, the, the reason they're not able to pick up those players, though, is because of the duration of the competition. 100%. Fascinating yeah. conversations. Yeah. And look, it's going to be interesting, the BBL this year. You know, there's the cricket rights are up again with television, etc. There's a bit of Ben Amafio still in that. He, he negotiated mm. the previous one, and it looks like Channel 7 are upset. They're, they're, looking to, they're, they're looking to sue Cricket Australia on the back of those negotiations. Well, you'll hear all the BBO action with uh, my good self commentating, and Brett will be when I can drag him out of his home, hopefully commentating some games with us. Of course, too, the World Cup's coming up as mm. well. Um, we might touch on that briefly after the break. Let's go to our next break here. I hope you're enjoying the coverage wherever you are around Tasmania. We're coming to you live here from Wentworth Park. The boys and girls are starting to stream into the venue. It's a glorious day in Hobart. And we thank very much the Clarence Zebras for letting us in this morning. David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves and Barley Kenzie with you this morning. <laughs> live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 552 535. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 552 535. David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves with you here at Wentworth Park. Um, well, we weren't expecting this, but we've got some royalty with us here. Brett, Bob Gordon, who's the chief here of, well, of football in Tasmania. Great to have your company, mate. Um, Firstly, good morning. Um, this is a fantastic day and a, and a gala day right across Hobart today. It's great. Yeah, it's great to see all these young people enjoying themselves. Yes. And it's about enjoyment, participation, learning teamwork, responsibility. And it's um, great. There's about seven or eight venues, several thousand kids playing. Brilliant. And the organisers, who are all volunteers, uh, Victoria Morton and clubs like Zebras, done a great job just uh, getting everything ready. Uh, uh, the volunteers to put together a game, and Brett was talking about his son, eight-year-old Ned. Like, there's some work to get all this done today, isn't there? Well, just in central Hobart, there's about 5,000 children play, which is about one in three kids. Yeah. Eastern Shore, it's a bit less. Northern Suburbs, it's a bit less. Um, Churchill Park in Launceston, there's a huge crowd there every Saturday morning. Yeah. It's about 2,000 kids, probably about 7,000 people go through there. It's a big event. Yes. 
Tell me about this thought process maybe about just out the back here. Is this a venue where you could get a little boutique rectangular stadium, which seems to be what we need here in, in Tasmania? Well, there's a few things we need. We need some better training facilities. Right. But we're also short of just basic grounds. Sure. Um, we ran out every summer, every sorry, every winter. Uh, we had some washouts this year and kids just weren't able to play. Yes. But we do need a, a rectangular stadium. Um, not necessarily a stadium, probably five to 8,000 yes. spectator capacity. Hopefully with um, Kingborough Lions and Devonport Strikers hopefully being base camps for World Cup teams yes. next year. That will allow us to upgrade some of those facilities. And so, with the with the Matildas, um, they'll be they'll be representing soon enough. What what impact does that have on young girls throughout Tasmania? But you know, more you know, perhaps more importantly, nationally as well with the, with the with the World Cup coming up. So we've got the highest participation in Australia of females playing, nearly a third. Um, I expect we'll get a huge boost in participation next year and that comes back to facilities again we won't have the grounds we'll have to say to kids I'm sorry you can't play we just haven't got the grounds to play on and so what just sorry Flash there you go mate what do those negotiations look like so you can obviously forecast uh, the participation numbers on the and, and look you know like we spoke about before soccer kills it in terms of um, participation numbers particularly early on for kids and it's such a great game throw them out there no goalies four aside everyone gets a go how do you negotiate with the councils and, and the governments to try and create more grounds? Because that is an issue. It's an issue for basketball as it well. Is Complete lack issue. of lack yep. of stadiums, lack of facilities. Give us a bit of an insight into some of those talks. So we've prepared facilities, uh, infrastructure needs um, for the last four years, and to give them their credit, state and federal governments have funded them to a limited extent. Um, the state government funded ten million for the World Cup base camps, which was great, but we're still short. Uh, and one of the challenges, particularly in Hobart, is all the flat areas are either high-density housing or tip sites. Yes. So you've got limited capacity. There are a few other options. One of the options we've been looking at is um, more lighting, which means you get more hours in the day you can mm. play on the grounds. But that also means you need better grass. And one of the options we're looking at is a hybrid. So if you go to the new grounds on the mainland, they've got about 20% artificial turf and the rest is real turf. Uh, which means you can get a lot more use because these grounds get a lot of use. Yes. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us, mate. And, Thank and you. And look, we really look forward to seeing the, the involvement today with all the kids, but in particular with the, the World Cup for the ladies coming in the next 12 months. That's exciting, isn't it? It is. It's great. Really look, looking forward to it. Yeah, and really importantly, with, with this little series being held over the weekend, so my, my son doesn't play soccer so the timing of you, you know, I think is really smart. Footy's done, yes. basketball's done. Let's have this enormous tournament yes. where all those kids can get involved and play soccer. There's a bit of strategy in that, I'm sure, but it's smart. It certainly captured my young bloke and um, and, and about 10,000 others throughout the state. So, yeah, great well, work. Well, if you want to play, you'll get a free um, My State Football Federation Tasmania ball next year. Oh, there you go. Good Winning on. everywhere. Thanks, Bob. Good on you, Bob. Thanks, Thanks very much for joining us. We're going to go to our last break here and come back and wrap things up talking. Some AFL, some huge games to go over the weekend. David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves with you this morning. Sport in Tasmania. It comes all here on SEN. Live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 552 535. 
live across Tasmania on 1629 SEN Tassie and streaming live on the SEN app. This is Saturdays in Tassie. Get involved in the show anytime. Text 0437 Winding down the program, Saturdays here in Tasmania, all with you on SEN 1629 Tasmania. David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves and Bailey Kenzie. Just recapping the AFL football, this is my lunatic son who's about to involve himself here. Which, Flashy, yeah. I've got to say, he's been very well he's behaved. Jim, the uh, technical director, he's played that beautifully. I think a, a career in childcare for Jim Beckins. Recapping the last couple of nights' games, what an epic we had on Thursday night, of course. The Brisbane Lions getting the job done, 106 to 104, in an absolute epic. Our man, Jackie Revolt, who was terrific too, played a sensational second half. He won't get a taste of any more finals action for 2022, but the form's pretty good, and I think we'll see him going on next year. And last night, of course, 14-9-91, the Swans getting the job done against the Premier's 69, Brett, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, about your mate Jack. What, um, any inside word? Is he is he likely oh, to go around again? Is he keen? Again. Yeah, I, I, a few months ago I wasn't so sure, but I, I, I've got a feeling now that he might be, he might get another year in the form suggests that he would do. He's, he was bloody good last year. So he, he's, night, he's out of contract, so he's he, out of contract. he'd be renegotiating. Yep, yep, he'll either, yeah, he'll either pull the pin or play another year and maybe he'll play another year. I mean, the, the challenge for him at this age is around what's next. So, you know, do oh, I... He's got plenty of next. Plenty so of next, that's, yeah. yeah. That's so the beauty of if, him, if, I think. If that's secure for him yeah. and he can play another year with yes. surety that whatever's going to happen is yes. going to happen and, and his media work's been terrific. You know, it's, it's got to be said, he's he's put in a lot of time and um, he's doing it well. Obviously, Jack and Flash himself and, you know, started with Painey. You know, so there's there's some media work for him. If he's got that yeah. surety, then yeah. another year's a bit of a no-brainer for him. Yeah, he's got a little bit more sort of business avenues too that he's pursuing too, some life coaching stuff as well, which is which is good. So he's yeah, he's all set up, but maybe another year for the Tigers. Footy to come. Look, I'm, I'm really interested in one bloke. Now, can I tell you this? And I don't want to bang on about the Swans, but I will for two minutes. When Tom Hickey got picked up two years ago, his fourth club, I actually laughed and said, what are you doing? doing he was sensational last night we've got a little bit of um footage well it was footage on fox sport we obviously can't see it but you listen to it and it made some real captivating week for tom hickey who's been a great story in afl this year let's have a listen how do you feel when you can stand up against the best players in the competition in your position and play the role for your team yeah Max is a hell of a player, and, and so is Jackson. So I knew I had a big, big job cut out for me just to, to quell his influence. And mate, I thought I was right up his ass in one of them. He still took a mark. So he's a pretty handy player. So um, just to try and quell his influence. But yeah, no, I got both my twins have been in hospital this week. So um, I'm coming home, coming home, girls. Yeah. So his girls were crook all week, and Tom Hickey is um, emotional. Very emotional. Mm. He was just outstanding last night. Max Gorn, six-time All Australian. Um, I he I think he's better than Dean Cox, and that's probably a big statement. But he's an incredible player, and he wasn't the worst Max Gorn last night. But I thought Tom Hickey was just I find him an amazing story. Uh, Swans get the job done, so they now go into the preliminary final, and they'll play the the winner from the other side of the draw. What we know already, the Lions are through, and they're going to play Melbourne next week. Now, Brett, the games to come. Uh, two beauties, Geelong and Collingwood. Firstly, 
Cats, obviously the clear favourites, probably the premiership favourites at the moment, but the, the Pies keep, um, well, they keep sort of sticking their beak in and making them pester themselves. Can they do it again today? Well, that's probably a Geelong supporter question, Bales. You're the, you're the, you're the Cats... <laughs> okay. uh, Cats man here. The what, Cats what's, correspondent. <clears throat> what's what's your take on the Cats? And you know, after watching the D's last night go down, you'd be you'd be feeling pretty happy with um, where it all sits. Oh, absolutely. We're feeling very happy about it. I think oh, Geelong on, will be. Uh, would you though? You might get Melbourne in a prelim now. Mm. I'm backing Geelong all the way through. To be honest, Flash. I think you look at the players that they've got coming back. I mean, it's just such an exciting, exciting side. They've got Atkins, Cameron, Duncan, and Stanley coming back into the fold. It's just, you know, Radical Ear misses out and O'Connor and some no, very strong players. You talk like they're all, all Hall of Famers, those blokes. <laughs> I'll tell, tell, tell you what. Brandon, they are when you put them up against Collingwood today. Brand, Brandon Parfit missing out. Yes. That is, Dem- that Dem- is a... Yeah, Sam Manigola can't get a game. I mean, mm. they are, they're not Hall of Famers, no. but they are legitimate they are. AFL mm. players on every other team. I yep. think you'd, you'd, find, you'd make a case for them on the Swans, wouldn't you? Both of them. Uh, Swans are a similar boat. Their VFL teams are going well and they've got no injuries. Mm. And that makes a difference when you know there's five... Five blokes that probably should almost be playing yep. and they can't get a game. Injuries are such an important part of all this, haven't they? Who are you backing if it does come to Geelong and Melbourne in a prelim flash? Uh, look, I, I, all I'm going to say is this. Everyone who thinks Geelong are over the line today, as the day is wearing closer, um, I just feel like these plucky pies may, may make pester themselves. I'm actually hoping that Geelong win because mm. I would like as a swan supporter to play Collingwood in a prelim yes. up there and I look forward to playing uh, Geelong in a grand final. Very, very that's, interesting that, that, stuff. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I think. The other game, of course, is the Dockers and the Doggies. Brett, I, look, the, the, the Dogs all year inconsistent. They've got the, they've got the star players. Um, we know the Dockers' defence is outstanding. Um, dogs, can they make a pest of themselves? Well, I, th- I there? think they can make a proper pest of so themselves. I. I think you and mm. I spoke about this the other Friday. We did. We kind of went through the dogs list, and I'd I'd been to the Hawthorne game last round, yes. and and they they weren't great. No, they, they were kind weren't. of yeah. They had their seventy inside fifties to thirty eight Hawthorne, and and it was a pretty kind of scrappy game, and they just didn't look likely. But in terms of um, in terms of their list and the stars across the line. Uh, they are the team that, that could potentially, outside the top four, make some, make some real noise. No doubt about it. So, two massive games of football this afternoon. Looking very much forward to it. It's been great to have your company, Bailey. Thanks for joining us. Well, mate. Bailey, a... he dropped some bombs today, yep. didn't he? Dropped Big some bombs. real bombs. We'll have to keep a track on those. And Brett, always good to sit next to you, and I would imagine that uh, we'll be doing so in the next uh, week or two, whether it be Friday morning or Saturday again. David Lithgow's my name, Brett Jeeves and Bali Kenzie. Thanks for joining us here. SEN Sport for you, always on a Saturday morning.